0: Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, TLDNR. Andy brings the case against his friend Katie. Several years ago, he persuaded her to read his favorite fantasy series. She also agreed to finish the series by his birthday. The date has come and gone, but Katie has not completed the books. Should she pick up the pace? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom.
1: In the fabled city of Shah sultry Princess Tamaris hires Hajman to recover the magical gem known as the Heart of Ariman, accompanied by the beautiful maiden Jenna. Hajman must vanquish scheming, murderous Bambata, the princess's henchman, and face the sinister guardians of the horn, only to confront the foul and ancient many-fanged demon god Jesse. With Jenna's life and Hodgman's very soul at stake, Hodgman must truly be Hodgman the Judger. Bailiff, demon god Jesse, swear them in.
0: Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever?
2: I do.
3: I do.
0: Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling despite the fact that he's already read all the books?
2: I do. Uh,
3: I do.
0: Very well,
1: Judge Hodgman. <laughs> It's true. I've read all the books. You guys read the name a book, Andy, Katie, name a book.
2: Um, the gathering storm.
1: Yeah, I, I read it. Andy, you try me. Um, Mistborn. Yep. I read it. Yeah. So that's yeah. not in the
2: series. So
1: it doesn't matter. I'm not saying I'm not just talking about this one series. I'm talking about all books. Oh, all books! All the You've books. Read all
2: books. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> Andy and Katie, you may be seated for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors. Can you name the cultural reference that I made as I entered the courtroom? Hint: It refers to a book which I've read. I think
3: I have a guess. It's... Should I go?
2: Sure. Yeah, you go. I don't know.
3: Um, maybe
1: something like Conan the Barbarian. Incorrect. Katie?
2: Mm, I don't know.
1: I appreciate your honesty, Katie. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And Andy, I'm so glad you guessed wrong, because you got very close. Oh, man. It is the book entitled Conan the Destroyer, novelization of the movie of the same name. The novelization of the movie of the same name, which I saw on the boardwalk of Ocean City, New Jersey, when it came out. 30 years ago, plus some months, unbelievably, because we were supposed to hear this back in June, but then things happened, and now here we are in the the dead of winter, talking about fantasy. This novelization of Conan the Destroyer was written by Robert Jordan Andy.
3: I guess I got the last part of it wrong.
1: Was there a Conan book called Conan the Barbarian? Or is that just sort of the the de facto? Because the Robert E. Howard wrote a lot of Conan books. Was there one called Conan the Barbarian?
3: I am not sure. It was just sort of an educated guess. I knew that Robert Jordan had written something with a Conan in it. I just didn't know the for sure full title.
1: Whether he wrote other Conan the Barbarian books, he did write the novelization of the movie Conan Destroyer, but he was better known for having written what, Andy? The Wheel of Time. The Wheel of Time cycle of how many books? Fourteen and a prequel. Now, you bring this case against this woman that you claim to be your friend Mm -hmm. because you sentenced her to a horrible sentence. You ordered her to read all 14 books before your birthday, and she has not done so, and now you want me to what? Compel her to what?
3: I would love for her to be compelled to read the series or just admit a broken promise to the world. Um, Because one one thing to clarify is that I did not— challenge her to this, she brought it up herself. She willingly entered this agreement without coercion. She All just right. felt guilty, I think.
1: Katie, is this true?
2: That is true. That is All true. Right. But he has not let me forget it ever since.
1: Yeah, that's that's what hap- that's what happens with promises.
2: Um six months <laughs> after his birthday when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to finish it by his birthday because I'd only finished one of the books. I did tell him it wasn't going to happen. So I warned him six months before his birthday yeah. that I was not going to read this series all the way through. All right. Let's
1: let's let's get a little background here, first of all. Katie, how do you guys know each other?
2: We were in the Centenary College Choir together in Shreveport, Louisiana. So right. we went to college together.
1: All right. And uh, and so you're just friends, right? You were not in a romantic relationship then or now? We
2: are not, no. no.
1: And, uh, and you are now graduated from college? Yes. Seems like you're not sure about
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> I have gotten my masters and Andy's getting his masters right now.
1: And where do you live now, Katie?
2: I am back in Shreveport.
1: And and uh, Andy, where do you live?
3: I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts.
1: All right. And what what was the university where you met? Centenary, Centenary
2: College.
3: Centenary College of Louisiana.
1: Centenary College of Louisiana. What kind what kind of school is that? Is that, is that a school of fantasy novel reading?
3: Primarily, yes. that's the, uh-huh. <laughs> the main course of study. Uh, um, no, it's a small private liberal arts school.
1: Oh, okay, cool. And you guys sang in choir together. We, we did. did. Are there any other ways uh, in which you are adorable that you would like to illuminate for our listenership? Now you travel the world together with we the choir. Did, yes, with the choir oh, with goes on
2: an international tour every other year.
1: And tell me where. Tell me where you went.
2: Do you want me to answer that?
1: You sure. do the first trip, and I'll do the second. Oh, okay.
2: Uh, we oh, went to Ireland and Wales our freshman year, and then Australia and New Zealand our junior year, and we sang in the Sydney Opera House.
1: Now, uh, Katie, you are clearly from the Amer-
2: Yeah, Yes, I am from, Mark- from
1: Arkansas. And your master's degree is in what?
2: Library adorableness?
1: science. Library science, which is basically a degree in adorableness.
2: Basically, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a reference librarian uh, at a community college.
1: Okay, and Andy, do you, you're getting a master's degree in what currently? Uh, in higher education. All right, not that's kind of boring. Anyway, I like library science better. I mean, good for you, but you know, <laughs>
2: boring. <laughs> Is that
3: Harvard? Does just, that make it more interesting for you?
1: Uh, it does not, sir.
3: <laughs> oh.
2: <okay. laughs> I was waiting how long it would take him to drop that name.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would let me let me let me tell you something right now. If you want to be among humans, don't ever do that again. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's a very pompous thing to say, particularly to a podcast that is hosted by a Yale man. So Katie, before Andy came into your life, where did you grow up, Andy? You are not of the American South. I am of the American South. He's more South up. than I am. Yeah. Oh, you're in Cambridge because you're going to Harvard. That's right. You were being coy about it to begin with.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who knows me knows that I do not like to drop that name in. I just felt compelled. Anyway, I, I
1: am. where are you from? I am from Louisiana, um, right. the New Orleans area. Katie, before you met Andy, did you read a lot of fantasy novels?
2: Uh, I did, but not hard fantasy like this.
1: All right, this tell is me. A
2: little bit more detailed than I'm used to. All
1: right, this is a 14, this is a, a, a very well known in fantasy novel circles, 14 novel plus a prequel cycle of fantasy novels that were begun. By a man whose real name was not Robert Jordan, that was his pen name. What was his real name, Andy?
3: James Oliver Rigney Jr.,
1: <laughs> which is probably a much better fantasy novelist name. <laughs> J.O. Rigby Jr., here with my latest pot boiler, <laughs> 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 than Robert Jordan, which sounds like a a guy who starred in a a, a a television detective series in the early 60s that lasted for one season. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to ask Andy to explain this story in some small detail but instead I'm going to put Katie to the test. You've at least read one of these books.
2: Yeah, I've read Andy, four.
1: You were Oh, you've well, you read four. You've made a good showing. So what's this what's the story with this story? What's tell me a little bit of the the setting, the plot. Just give us a little bit of a flavor for it. And maybe you could also clarify for us the difference between
0: hard fantasy and whatever the alternative to that
2: is. (laughs) Maybe she meant high fantasy? Oh, I did. I did. Oh, goodness gracious. I shouldn't have a degree. Um, The high fantasy is going to be in a fantasy world that everything is magic um, whereas the soft fantasy usually is in like modern day or the world that we know it, but with fantastical elements, and, and that's how and I it, remember it.
1: First of all, never apologize for n- not using the term high fantasy correctly.
2: <laughs> it's you know, been a while since I. I don't care if
1: you class. do have an MLS degree; you are that is a normal way to be in the world. Don't let the nerds get you down. The reality is. There are subgenres within fantasy and science fiction, and you made a very reasonable mistake because in science fiction, there is a very specific subgenre, which is hard sci-fi, which is in some ways analogous, except um, sort of uh, antipodal, because in hard sci-fi, it truly is speculative fiction based on scientific uh, extrapolation of a particular scientific principle. Am I wrong, Andy, or am I right? I have no idea. That's right. I'm telling you a thing now. And high fantasy is your classic fantasy novel that is set in an in an alternate, usually sort of Earth, with a with a somewhat medieval technology level, with uh, with a bu- with a bunch of uh, magic involved. We're, we're talking we're talking about basically a bunch of J.R.R. Tolkien ripoffs. That would be high fantasy, wrong or right, Andy?
3: Um, yeah, partially. Yeah, right. Okay. okay right. I mean, I hate to call them ripoffs, but. Maybe they just like built on a foundation
1: that right. there
2: are a lot of similar elements.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing that's interesting about fantasy genre fantasy to me, and I, and I don't mean this to, to put them down and rip off as a pejorative term, but I don't mean it that much. So much as it's, it's uh, uh, fantasy is an unusual genre in that while there were certainly uh, fairy tales Uh, And 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 stories set in fantastic settings. And you would argue that Alice in Wonderland was fantasy uh, and so forth. The genre that we know as fantasy pretty much came to life out of the out of the wrinkled brow of the weird linguist. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. He defined the genre in many ways that we understand fantasy to be now. Obviously, he was interpreting a tradition of, of, of ancient, uh, uh, Norse Eddas and Beowulf and all that stuff, heroic journeys that had, that had roots in mythology, but where he created a mythology and a world, uh, entirely out of whole cloth and populated it with hobbits and magicians. That is, that became a genre that is, that is worked within at this point now. Yes or no, Andy? Yes. Oh, all right. Wow. <laughs> I didn't mean to be such a nerd bully. I thought you were going to come back at me for that.
3: <laughs> I actually am not that much of a like hardcore nerd. It's just this particular series and a few others that I really, really enjoy. So you're, I'm going well, to defer to you on most things related to book Ro- nerdery.
1: Robert Jordan's works exist in in a in a subgenre of high fantasy that i would posit would not exist without tolkien as a predecessor but that is left for debate another time. Katie you tell me a little bit about the story and then we'll come back to you Andy and you can tell me why it's so important to you.
2: Okay. Uh, well the story begins with uh, the main character is Randall Thor And he is from two rivers and he's just the everyday guy. And then uh, some evil demon monster type things come to his city. And so he finds out he's kind of like this super mega awesome person who's going to fight like the pretty much like the devil character by the end. And so he goes on a quest to like get ready for that along with his friends. And there's a lot of. Like it's a huge world. So there's a lot of different like factions and people working against one another and against him and for him. So you never really know whose alliances are where. and it's very detailed and complicated, but enjoyable. I really do like the series a lot.
1: so a young so a young man living in a s- sort of medieval technology village in a, in, a, in, a, in a in a in a in a in a sort of agricultural bucolic paradise discovers that he has been chosen by destiny to come into conflict with the greatest force for evil in the world, which is reawaking after a long time of it not of it not asserting itself. And he learns this because dark forces come to the village and he realizes he has to leave the village or else that village will be overrun by the dark forces and he is marked for both death and destiny. Is that not so?
2: It's shockingly creative. Yeah, I'm well... Yes, that's true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if I could ask for a point of clarification, this hero, uh, would you say he has about a thousand faces?
2: N- no. Wait, That's no.
1: <laughs> Bailiff Jesse is making a very, a very arch and self-chuckly reference to the Joseph Campbell uh, text, A Hero with a Thousand Faces, in which he kind of teases out the similarities of some of the great mythic uh, uh, stories of uh, essentially boys' adventure. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, that's hero's just journey. Kind of the archetype. Well, right. That's what, that, that's what Joseph Campbell was. Joseph Campbell's a "Hero with a Thousand Faces" is explaining the archetype and tracing its uh, its uh, uh, lineage through all of these different stories, both in high and low culture, and ancient and modern culture. Right, and that's why Star Wars is the same as Lord of the Rings and is the same as Wheel of Time because um, they're all stealing from each other, A. And B, they all represent the archetype of the Hero of a Thousand Faces and so on. All right. Yeah. So our, all of our points are made, right? This sounds a lot like a lot of other stories. So since it does, and since Lord of the Rings since Lord of the Rings already existed before Robert Jordan even wrote a word of these things, why does this particular story have such a hold on your life, Andy?
3: I mean, it really just has to do with the fact that it – it caught me at a time in high school and my whole group of friends, actually, it, we just started reading this series and we had just sort of dabbled in other series beforehand. Um, and then somehow this just like caught us at the right time. What right
1: would you dabble in beforehand? What was your gateway drug? <laughs> Epic of Gilgamesh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I had actually I had read The Hobbit at some point. Um, I read, like, other more accessible things, like, I guess, Harry Potter. Yeah, I would read Harry Potter stuff before oh. before that. Um, right. other... how,
1: old, how old are you? How old am I now? Yeah.
3: 26.
1: Oh, right. Of course. In high school, you were reading Harry Potter before you even discovered—oh, my—
3: <laughs> <laughs> My apologies for my age, sir.
1: No, it's just—it's just, it's just there—you know, that—okay— yes what someone of your age could have discovered harry potter before they discovered this thing and they can they you're 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 living time backwards like merlin have you ever read the lord of the rings yes or no no have you you have not read the lord of the rings i
3: have not read the lord of the rings i tried I once
1: no 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 i understand yeah well look i did too it took me a long time before i finally read that thing
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and then i realized i don't ever have to read anything exactly like this ever again I I love it. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Right. But if you had read Lord of the Rings, if you were like me, uh, then you would not be going like, hmm, how can I read the exact same thing?
2: (laughs) Only longer.
1: Only longer. Katie, have you read the Lord of the Rings?
2: No, just one of them.
1: Did you ever read? So I started out by asking, did you ever read any of this stuff before Andy came into your life?
2: Uh, what like the Wheel of Time series? Yeah,
1: you ever read any high fantasy, as they say?
2: Mm, no, I didn't. I mean, I read Harry Potter. I was I was a big Harry Potter fan. You
1: were a big Harry Potter fan when you were seven or whatever. How old are you?
2: I'm also 26. All right. So I was in middle school when I started reading.
1: And you're a, and you're a master of library science. I am. So you gotta like books.
2: I do. I I love books.
1: If you didn't have a friend who was forcing you to read. Eleven thousand pages of this stuff <laughs> what would you what would you be passing the time with? what is uh, she mean, passing just... the time with you mean oh I know that's your accusation right you're mad at Katie you're mad at Katie Andy because she's she's not just reading Robert Jordan books to make you happy she occasionally dabbles in something that gives her pleasure like what what are you what are you reading instead of instead of doing your duty and reading the wheel of
2: time from the time I started. The first Wheel of Time book. I've read thirty-eight non Wheel of Time.
0: <laughs> Man, I love that you are Garfunkeling this thing. <laughs>
1: <sighs> Whoa! How long has this been going on, you guys? When were you? When were you supposed to have been done with the fourteen plus the prequel? novel of Wheel of Time.
2: Summer of 2010, I said that I I told him I would start Wheel of Time after I graduated from grad school because I needed and, to focus on my studies. And before, uh, so that would have been Andy, 2012. 2012.
1: 2012. So since 2012, you But conquered...
2: I didn't start it until January of 2013.
1: Starting January of 2013, and we are recording this now at the end of 2014. So two years, you have conquered... Four novels in Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series and 38 other novels.
2: Yes, which I feel like isn't that much. I was actually kind of embarrassed that it was only 38.
1: So, Andy, you feel betrayed that she's been reading all these other novels instead of keeping up with her promise to you. I
3: do, I do. Why
1: is it important to you that she read all 11,916 pages now, before your next birthday, because that's that—that that was in your petition—that she honor her obligation to read all fourteen books plus the prequel by your next birthday, since she already missed the previous cu- deadlines, which is next May twenty fifteen. Right? Do I have that right? Uh, April. April. All right. Fine. And and now we know that she's perfectly capable of it because she reads about seven novels a day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it so important to you that Katie read these almost 12,000 pages of Tolkien pastiche before you turn 28? So it's important
3: to me because as I was saying before, um, these books were like really influential to me in high school and my group of friends. Yeah, in
1: high school.
3: Well, wait. Okay. Sorry. sorry. I thought, I thought, I thought I was thinking that to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it was really important. And like, For the first time, I felt like I was sort of a big time fan of something and really caught up in this world that I felt like could legitimately exist in full detail, like outside of the mind of the creator. Almost. It was that detailed. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we could just talk about it for hours and analyze things and actually see connections between what he was saying in there to the real world and different cultures and problems with society and all this stuff.
1: You and you and your you and your high school friends. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you, and
3: jazz band, Fifth Hour, we're not doing anything, that sort of thing.
1: <laughs> what a word painting you have just painted for me.
3: <laughs> You're welcome.
1: You came to college and you met Katie. Right. And you thought, here's a friend. I want to share a little bit of myself with her. Right. Here's a 12,000 page reader's manual to my heart. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Something like that. Something like, that. I mean, we met in college and became very good friends. Like we are friends on a deep level. She's my, yeah. my best friend. And
0: Aww.
3: so we share a lot of things in culture together. Like if we watch mov- a movie that we like, you know, we, right. the other one will watch it. She recommended Book of Lost Things to me. And so I read that as a dutiful, dutiful friend um and so oh,
1: th- how long how long is that Twelve thousand pages or so a <laughs> uh, little
3: little bit less maybe maybe like 300 200 it's probably yeah. two or 300 thousand no just 100 wow. <laughs> um yeah so we just share a lot of interests in culture and, and sure. like always are discussing things and she's like my go-to person for that sort of thing um and so whenever she offered herself, it was it was actually I feel pretty early on in our college career that she was like, y'all talk about this series all the time. I'm going to read that one day. And then later it kept getting honed further and further to, OK, after college, OK, after grad school, OK, maybe at the beginning of 2013, OK, maybe by your birthday next year.
1: Right. I'm unfairly portraying you as the person who has forced this you, Andy, because it does sound to me, Katie, as though you you got yourself into this mess.
2: I did. It's true. And I am enjoying the series. I want to stress that. I'm really enjoying the series. But when I first started, I didn't realize it was as detailed as it was. And for some reason, it's taken me a long time to read each book. And also Mm -hmm. from the way Andy and his high school friends, who some of them also went to college with us, the way they described it, I knew that a lot of like tiny details would pop up later. So I have read it very slowly and kind of Mm -hmm. more in depth. So I would pick up those things later on.
1: Why is that pace unreasonable to you, Andy? Well, mainly because she said she
3: offered up a day that she would have. 10 of the 14 books read.
1: Girl made a promise to me and is not fulfilling promise. (laughs) There you go. There you go.
3: And also, I mean, it's just been so long now that it's been on the table for like seven years, seven plus years, that it's just sort of I want to get to the point where we can talk about the cool plot twists and we can share things like, for instance, one thing that we've been saying back and forth to each other at different times is the wheel weaves as the wheel wills, which is a phrase from the book. That just applies to life in so many different ways and is so much better than, you know, life's not fair or whatever.
1: Do you have that as a tattoo anywhere on your body? I should. No, no, you shouldn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Jordan passed away before he could finish the cycle of books as he saw fit to finish them. Is that not correct, Andy? That is correct. Yeah, someone, so he someone... didn't
2: even finish the series. Ah. Oh.
1: Oh, oh, oh.
2: <laughs> May he rest in peace. <laughs>
1: oh. <Yeah. laughs> uh, she's a fighter. She's a she's a she's a chaotic neutral fighter, I would say. <laughs> uh is that right? Chaotic neutral? Oh god, I'm gonna get so first of all. If I got chaotic neutral, I'm wrong, but you know what I'm talking about. Chaotic neutral, I think that's probably good. That's probably right. Uh, and second of all, uh, you know, when I refer to these books as a, a 12,000 pages of Tolkien pastiche, that is not fair. I acknowledge that. There are, people love these books. Uh, I had never read them uh, when this case initially crossed my desk uh, back in the spring of this year. Um, since in order to prepare myself, I bought a bunch of the comics. They're now doing it as a comic book serialization because I I wasn't going to have a chance to read twelve thousand pages before I heard the case. We don't all have to do things by your birthday, dude. <laughs> your, your birth your birthday isn't a day of magic alignment where the five moons line up and shine a special light onto your onto your forehead and or you know onto the shard of the dark crystal that gives you special powers if enough people have read the Wheel of Time books. <laughs> well. The wheel will as the wheel weaves or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like things happen in its own time. And I didn't have time to read all 14 books. So I read about eight of the comics and I'm like, yeah, all right, fine. I mean, I love them, but they're the comics. All right. So I, but I acknowledge that, that people love these books. There's something that clearly resonates with you in these books and may even be resonating with Katie that we're going to uh, establish in a moment and that you love them and, uh, and, and that people in the world love them. So you don't get mad when I refer to them as Tolkien pastiche. Although no, you got to admit, you got to admit Tolkien did it first. That's another story. All right. Uh, Katie, why just, why'd you stop reading?
2: I haven't stopped reading. I just, I am not reading them as, as quickly as I would have They're very detailed and it's more, there's so many characters and so many places and so many plot lines happening at once. Like it's, it's just taken me longer. I don't, I feel kind of embarrassed saying that because I feel like a fairly educated person. And he read these in high school, but for some reason, it's just taken me a bit longer. They're
1: for high school boys. They're for high school boys who have, who have nothing else going on in their lives. All right. You're in a relationship with another adult. Yes. You do not have children.
2: I do not have children.
1: You do have a job. I do. Do you acknowledge that your life is different than what it was like in high school? Yes. All right. You you are reading, how long is each book?
2: Um, Each book is about 900, 800 or 900 pages.
1: And it takes you about how long to finish a book? Reading as carefully as you can to honor your friend Andy?
2: 2 months but then I do read quite a few books in between. Let's say
1: conservatively 3 months per book. Okay. And you've done 4. So you got 11 more to go. Yes. So another 33 months. Mhm. So before before you and Andy can finally have the conversation that he wants to have with you.
2: Which we do have conversations as I'm reading them. We do have conversations.
1: Yeah, but don't you understand it's not enough for Andy. He needs you to be done now. Um, yeah. Andy, I'm just trying to ascertain, do you really need her to finish all these books by her birthday? Excuse me, by your birthday in order to have the full relationship that you want to have with her? Or do you want her to finish by her by your birthday because she said she was gonna? <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, I mean, uh, honestly, I guess more of the second one, but it's she, said, sort of- she said she was gonna. She said she was going to, and it's now the year after when she said she was going to. And I guess in a way, like my baseline or bottom line argument is sort of if your wife had promised that she would watch The Third Man and that she would do it, watch like 10 14ths of it or five 7ths of it by a given date, wouldn't you want that to have occurred?
1: She, first of all, she would never make that promise. She never has made that promise. And she has never watched the third man Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she's my wife. But if she had, she's not a person that I know, (laughs) a a dear friend, a dear friend, a dear friend. She is a dear friend, but you know that we went through, if you listen to the podcast that closely, then, you know, we went through this very similar situation with regard to the game of thrones books which which i read and to my surprise as an adult became utterly a huge part of my life have you read those books
2: I've I listened thought. to the audiobooks and Andy got a little upset at me. Yeah,
3: she listened to them during the time she's supposed to be reading Wheel of Time.
2: No, I listened to them <laughs> on car trips. I listened to them in the car and like during work while well, we the
1: Wheel of Time days. is on tape as well.
2: Those are it's too long. Very long.
1: <laughs> would you accept her listening to the audiobook of the Wheel of Time is fulfilling her obligations? I would. I would.
2: Right.
1: Have you read the Game Andy, have you read the Game of Thrones books? I have not. Will you read them by my birthday? when is your birthday (laughs) june 3rd every year it it would have to be
3: the not this upcoming one but the next
1: no it has to be this one because we have to i have to share this with you this is exactly what i said to my wife i said you would enjoy these and i would love to talk to you about them and the moment i said you would enjoy this her brain automatically said i will never enjoy this <laughs> because that that is the nature of our relationship but and i accepted that because she's another human being who has her own sets of tastes and 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 uh, her own her own set of priorities when it comes to uh taking in culture and one of those priorities for her was to watch friday night lights a popular television show about a sport called football And also all the characters in the family and everybody, you know, it's more than just about football. Everyone loves that show so much. They keep saying you hate sports, but you'll like this fine. If I am going to watch a show about football, which I am willing to do, I will do it. So long as my wife reads the first game of Thrones book, game of Thrones, that was our deal. That was a deal that we struck Andy because we were both sacrificing something with the possibility of of benefiting from it down the road, right? She read that first Game of Thrones book. I would watch all of Friday Night Lights. Guess what? I haven't watched Friday Night Lights, and I guarantee you I never will because she's never going to read that Game of Thrones book ever, 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 ever. She'll watch The Third Man a million times before she finishes that Game of Thrones book because it's not her thing. That's not even the situation that you're in, sir. You have a friend who is reading this thing at a reasonable pace. Are you familiar with... uh, the Neil Gaiman term. Now, this is a family podcast, so I'm going to make a, a somewhat a PG-13 word here. So, if your kids are driving the car, cover their ears. You familiar with what Neil Gaiman said about George R. R. Martin to the to the readers of the Game of Thrones books that were upset that George R. R. Martin was not writing them fast enough? I am not. not. George R. R. Martin. He said. He said to the internet, "George R. R. Martin is not your bitch." Sorry to get blunt. But the point he was making was that George R. R. Martin, yes, may be watching Jets games and traveling to uh, fantasy conventions and uh, maybe eating food and showering from time to time instead of writing more books. But that is what he needs to do in order to be a human being, the human being who creates the things that you love. There is no contract between you and George R. R. Martin such that you can yell at him for having a whole life, because if he did not have that whole life, he would not be able to write the things that he loves. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't sure if you were aware of that concept.
3: Sure. I mean, I'm aware of it. I just feel like there was a verbal contract made. And so yeah. in my mind, there is a contract.
2: I, but I admittedly said six months later that I wouldn't be able to uphold said contract.
1: Right. And that she filed you know, She filed, she filed for, for high fantasy bankruptcy.
2: I did. I did. I threw the towel in. I knew it wasn't going to work. And I've continued to read them just slowly and in between other things.
1: Have you been doing a bit of a slowdown? The more he pushes, the more you slow it down.
2: No, no. I don't, I don't push all that so. much, do I? You, 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 I'm on a podcast right now. You took her to court. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a little okay, I push a little, <laughs> but I am enjoying them, and I guess it, it kind of gets funny the more time goes by. But it's
1: all just a joke to her, Judge. I know. <laughs> I think I've heard everything I need. Uh, I am now going to go back into my tower of the hand where I will uh, contemplate this matter in my solar and I will render my judgment in a moment. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman
0: exits the courtroom. (laughs) Katie, how are you feeling about your chances in this case?
2: I'm feeling pretty good, but I also feel like a jerk. So there's that.
0: Do you understand, Katie, the significance of any dispute in which uh, you can reasonably make the claim that one person didn't like Game of Thrones because it wasn't long enough?
2: people say that i didn't i don't know
0: andy how are you feeling about your chances
2: oh
3: not all that great but i came in knowing it may be an uphill battle but you know maybe the sort of offered up contract will will be the bottom line and go in my favor we'll see we'll
0: see what judge john hodgman has to say about it when we come back in just a second Please rise as Judge John Hodgman. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash
1: join. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. re-enters the courtroom okay first of all I need to let everyone know that they all owe me a debt of gratitude because I saved George R, R. Martin's life at the season premiere of the television show Game of Thrones they had a screening and a party to which I was invited how do you like that? how do you like them Apples Harvard I got to go to the Game of Thrones premiere <laughs> <laughs> and I went to the party I've met George R. R. Martin before in my life. Very sweet guy, wonderful dude. I may have had conversations with him that distracted him briefly from writing more books. Sorry, nerds. He wasn't writing the moment that I was talking to him, but at the party, which was at the Museum of the Natural History here in New York City, George R. R. Martin, who had had a couple of glasses of wine, I spied him in the in the Great Hall of the Museum of Natural History, standing wobbly at the top of a huge flight of marble stairs. I ran up there. His his heel was an inch away from the top stair. And he was laughing merrily. Why? Like Robert Baratheon himself. And I grabbed him and I moved him away from the top of those stairs. I said, excuse me, Mr. Martin. The the internet would not forgive me if I allowed you to stand here any longer. Because you are putting yourself at risk. It had it not been for me, I'm sure you would have gone down those stairs. So you're welcome, nerds. Two. I got in trouble on Twitter recently when I said anyone who disagreed with me that the movie Moonrise Kingdom is a perfect film. That is to say, I believe it is a perfect film. If you disagree with me, you may unfollow me immediately. A lot of people get angry with me. Some of them just said, You're wrong. Someone threw my own podcast in my face saying you cannot force people to like something, that people like what they like. One of the foundational premises of this podcast, to which I replied, yes, of course, people like what they like. That doesn't make Moonrise Kingdom less perfect. It is a perfect movie. I'm not saying that you have to like it, but it is perfectly executed. Everything expresses a single vision so perfectly; it sometimes is difficult to watch. It fits together so perfectly. I, da- I challenge any one of you to name a flaw that it fails on its own on its own premises. To name a single flaw in that movie, the only flaw that you could name in Moonlight's Kingdom, and plenty could name this flaw, is that it should not exist. Right? Some people don't like it and say it shouldn't exist at all. But you can't say uh, I tried to do something and failed. It's perfect. Does that mean you have to watch it, Katie? Does it mean you have to watch it, Andy? No. Does it mean you have to unfollow me? Yes, of course you do. You have to unfollow me if you don't agree that Moonrise Kingdom is a perfect movie. You cannot compel someone to like something. And you cannot compel someone to watch or read a thing that is important to you just because it is important to you. You can compel to read something or to watch something In a fair exchange, you can pay them, you can bet them, you can dare them, but do not ask them or even accept their offer in exchange for nothing and expect compliance, because that's just a favor. That's not a contract. Katie, you made a promise and you have broken it and you acknowledge that you broke that promise. This is what happens in adult life. And now Andy is asking you to keep your promise. But Andy, let me tell you something that very, very few people in the world will tell you. Certainly not parents. Parents always say, it never hurts to ask. It always hurts to ask. You ask, <laughs> if you ask someone to do something that you want them to do, it hurts you, right? It hurts you in the moment because you are spending some of your credibility on a favor, a pure favor that is not going to be paid back in any other way other than compliance with your wishes. You are forcing someone to do something benignly against their will, but you are still asking, you are still lowering yourself in status in order to get something that you want. And the other way that it hurts to ask, especially if you ask someone to read something or watch something that you care about, is the risk the profound wound that will open in your soul when you realize they don't like it the same way you do. Cause guess what? They're a different person. They're a different person who's experiencing the culture in a different way at a different stage of their life. You can get, you can ask Katie to finish this by your next birthday, but you may not get what you want. And, our, and I would say it's almost impossible that you will. The things that you like are the things that you like. You're never going to get back fifth period of jazz band. You know what I mean? Like, you're never going to get that moment back. Katie's never going to give you that same feeling back that when you read that book the first time. And it's unfair to ask her to relive it on your behalf so that you can get that feeling back. This is part of growing up. This is part of our ongoing and changing experience with culture. If I watch The Third Man again tonight, I might not like it the same way. If I forced, as I've realized from the first date that we went on, if I forced my wife to watch The Third Man, there's no way that she was going to enjoy it in the way that I hoped that she would. Making a book recommendation is one thing. Making a book demand is another. If Katie had said to you, I will read all 14-plus prequel volumes of Wheel of Time, including the ones that were written after the author's own death by your birthday. If you watch breaking bad and you had watched breaking bad, then of course I would order her to finish those dumb books. But as it is, there's no contract here. There's no agreement. There was simply a promise that has been broken as all adults who live in the real non-fantasy world break all the time. And in this real world, that kind of disappointment is born it is not it is not, uh, it is not. something that is avenged, but it is born with understanding and affection for the adorable friend that you love. She's reading the books. She's reading them at her own pace. She's reading them, frankly, at a much healthier clip than I have ever read a book in my life. And soon enough, in about 33 months, you'll get jazz band back or not. But the more you push, the more fun she will have slow-walking the reading of these books and driving you crazy. Therefore, the sake, for the sake of your adorable friendship and for the sake of common decency, here as you stand before me, as I sit in the Iron Throne, King's justice is such that I rule in favor of Katie. This is the sound of a gavel. <laughs> Judge John Hodgman
0: rules, that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman Exits the court. Andy, how do you feel right now?
3: Oh, you know, a little bit defeated, but I feel like on some inner level, I understood what the the judge said all along. So I completely respect that. And hopefully in time, you know, she will read the books and it will be something we can talk about.
0: Have you ever seen Babe Pig in the City? Of course. What about uh, Pootie Tang? Have you seen Poodie Tang? if not. Willing to watch it by your birthday?
3: <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> Katie, how are you feeling right now?
2: I am feeling good, but I do, I feel kind of bad for Andy. I feel like he got a bad, he got a, a tongue lashing. But I am glad that the judge said that I could read the series at my own pace and didn't give me a deadline.
0: Katie, to be fair, Andy pretty much earned his tongue, la- tongue lashing, don't you think?
2: Well, I did. I broke a promise, and he he was wanting me to stick to it. And I think the birthday was just kind of an arbitrary like deadline. He just wants a deadline, Don't which I have not given for him. Don't apologize, this
3: Monster. <laughs> it
2: just because I brought up the birthday thing, but
0: Katie, Andy, thank you so much for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure.
1: Back for another game. You know it. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating.
2: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app.
1: And at MaximumFun.org.
0: Judge John Hodgman. What? Who calls me from my tower of the hand? I was just trying to come up with some cool stuff for you to do before your birthday.
1: First of all, start loving sports.
0: Yeah, watch every game of 162-game baseball season. More if your favorite team makes the playoffs.
1: Okay. Um, well, I've already seen Babe Pig in the City. Yeah. What about Pootie Tang? Have you ever seen Pootie Tang? I haven't. I'll see it by your birthday. When is your birthday, Jesse? April 24th. April 24. All right, that's Pootie Tang
0: deadline day. Great. Done and done. This week's episode's title was suggested by Joseph Wang. If you want to suggest the title for a Judge John Hodgman episode, like Judge John Hodgman on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and search for Judge John Hodgman. You can also join the MaximumFun.org Facebook group at Facebook.com slash MaximumFun.org. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jesse Thorne. John is at Hodgman. H-O-D-G-M-A-N. You got it. Hashtag your tweets, hashtag JJ Ho. Join us on Reddit at MaximumFun.Reddit.com, where there's always a lively discussion of each and every Judge John Hodgman episode. You can also discuss the show on our forum at Forum.MaximumFun.org. Our show is produced by Julia Smith, edited by Mark McConville. I think that's about it. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John
1: Hodgman podcast. Court is a learned